Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and your week in IndyCar guest show brought to you by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and TorontoMotorsports.com. Who do we have? An old friend, the man, Bud Denker, out on Belle Isle yesterday when we spoke, genuinely picking up little pieces of trash, whatever, making the place look beautiful. That's the chairman of the Detroit Grand Prix. How you doing, bud? Big weekend ahead, big crowd expected, big event from Michigan coming out of COVID. Marshall, it's good to be with you and, and with your listeners. And um, yes, after coming off an amazing Indy 500, we now turn to Detroit, which we're proud and happy to do on some great coattails, some great winds of momentum, uh, to Belle Isle Park, our beautiful park just off, uh, you know, a quarter mile off of our, our coastline here in Detroit and uh, right settled between ourselves and Canada. We have um, not been here now in almost two years and uh, we're returning. And I've been down there. My team's been down there for weeks upon weeks, getting it prepared, uh, looking great, going to look great on TV for six hours on NBC coverage on Saturday and Sunday. And uh, we can't wait to uh, reopen America as we bring this event to, to Michigan. One of the big items I know is, hey, fans, uh, we're going to get to see you close, and you're going to get to enjoy cars and all the things in the paddock, for example. I know that, at least with timing and planning and such, being able to put up all the grandstands from what I've heard, you know, it's still something uh, you'd love to have. So I don't know if everybody's going to be sitting in the same old seats they're used to, but maybe you could just tell us a little bit, Bud, about getting back to normalcy or as close to normal as possible while seemingly the country is still taking those last couple steps to uh, move out of lockdowns and whatnot, welcome folks back to sporting events, entertainment and whatnot. Tell me about this kind of later development in the uh, Detroit Grand Prix being something that can a little bit more normal than maybe we thought it would be a month or two ago. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good point, Marshall, because for your listeners that haven't been to Michigan in the last year, um, we were probably one of the more restrictive states in the country relative to COVID guidelines um, in terms of when the restaurants were going to open. Uh, we were much further behind places, of course, like Florida and Texas and other markets um, to being eating outside, but not eating inside, uh, masks required, and even allowing people to work in their home offices, um, I'm sorry, their offices, not their home offices, um, took a while. Uh, we just started that process of opening up here recently. And as a result of that, those guidelines, you know, four months ago, we didn't know if we were going to have a race on Belle Isle. We didn't know if we were going to be allowed to have a race on Belle Isle. Um, the Tigers were opening, the Detroit Tigers, and they didn't know if they were going to be able to open with any fans at all. Um, they opened, I think, originally to 1,000 people and have built from there. We originally have built our plans off of their plans, the Tigers, and said we're going to have only 1,000 people on Belle Isle to have this event. Now, wow. economically, it doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't work, but, you know, Penske Corporation, our, our home is Detroit, and it's Michigan, and General Motors and Lear and our partners they were right with us and said, "Bud, if you have a thousand, if you have zero, if you have ten thousand, we're still going to be there with you to have this great event because our state needs this. 
our residents and our businesses need this to send a signal that we are back. Mayor Duggan was a wonderful gov- uh, mayor of Detroit, one of the best mayors in the, in the country, I would say, you know, said, Bud, please have this event. No matter what it looks like, please have it. We need it. Uh, I need it. Uh, our souls need it. So as a result of that, Marshall, you know, four months ago, we said, okay, well, we'll rent a few grandstands. We'll rent some tents, some structures. Um, but these things take four to six months in advance to rent. And as a result of that, we're going to have about one third of the normal capacity. Um, our chalets will look terrific. Our grandstands will look terrific because they will be filled, just fewer of them. So the, the feeling will be great. The mood will be great. But for the first time, our competitors, the paddock, the officials, myself, don't have to wear masks. Now, how ironic to come to Michigan to be the first IndyCar race in 16 months and not have to wear a mask, not have to social distance, not have to check for a vaccination card, not have to be tested every day, um, and an open paddock. We're going to have that this week in Belle Isle. And I know everybody's excited about it. I'm personally excited about it. And the people of Michigan are really excited about it. So we're proud to put it on. It'll be a little different, but it'll still be a world-class race. I did read a little wrinkle to the rules for the weekend, though, Bud, that says all cars must maintain at least six feet of social distancing behind the Penske entry. So I thought that was a little, little interesting, kidding aside. Yeah, boy, wish I could be there, but hopefully this will become the norm uh, as COVID is uh, hopefully brought down to a place where it's just no longer a, a huge factor in our lives. Hopefully we'll see more of the uh, IndyCar calendar and other racing calendars just venture back to uh, a happier, normal place. Let's get into the questions that came in for us, Bud, as usual. Great stuff. Really happy to see a lot of uh, a lot of interest and a lot of fun areas. Ryan Terpstra, a man of Michigan, he's going to lead off the show, says, Bud, I'm a massive fan of the idea of putting your money where your mouth is. Says, you've done exactly that with the race for equality and change. Says, it hasn't been, quote, good intentions. It's been a realized potential. Ryan asks, could you share a little of where you envision the program going from here forward to capitalize on a great first couple of initiatives with Force Indy and Peretta Autosport? Yeah, good question, Ryan. Um, very proud of our efforts. Um, less than a year now, I think it was July of last year, we announced our initiatives around race for equality and change. And the guy interviewed me today, Marshall Pruitt, probably was questioning some of these things to be real or genuine or tangible or intangible. Right, Marshall? He did. And um, I would say, um, I told Marshall at the times, wait, you'll see. These are tangible things that you can measure that you're going to be able to see and touch and understand. So, and we've got a number of things, uh, Ryan, we've done around that. In fact, just this past weekend in Detroit, Next Gen Racers, Rod Reed's program that he developed, you know, some 12 years ago in Indianapolis that targets inner city um, minority youth, mostly, um, allows them to understand STEM initiatives, learning initiatives around racing, uh, two hours on Saturdays and two hours on Sundays, and then get to go, go-kart driving two hours as well after that to apply those principles. We had that come to Detroit last week for an exhibition. The first time we've had that. Our trucks, our go-karts, we had 20 young 
um, people that were part of it. The smiles on their faces were, were, were what, to me, was the return on investment. The, 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 the words from them about what they learned, um, male and female both from inner city Detroit, was fantastic. Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan has given us the funds now to bring the program from Indy to Detroit on a full-time basis next year. Wow. Full-time basis. That's a big deal. We will now have two Next Gen Racer programs in America, and we see that expanding in future cities as well. I know St. Louis has already raised their hand. You know, uh, Francois in that marketplace uh, raised their hand. I know the Honda folks would love to see it come out to Long Beach as well. So we've got a model here now. We're not going to grow too fast. We're going to get Detroit going next year. Um, Belle Isle is a great place for it as well. And it's all about learning and teaching people more STEM, but in a very interesting way. So that's that's number one. That's what we learned. We learned about this program when we bought the Speedway you know, last January 6th. I didn't know anything about it until then. So now we're expanding it and we're, we're putting our money where our mouth is there. Of course, Force Indy and Miles Rowe and the team there, remember, the mechanics that are working on that car were next-gen graduates, right? Maybe five, six, some 10 years ago. They started with their spark at next-gen and now are living their dream of working on a race car in, in USF 2000. I mean, how about that example? And they're now working on a Miles Road car. So that's going very well. Miles is learning every time he gets on the racetrack. This is a kid that never had the opportunity or young man to, to race the USF 2000 car till now. That we want to continue for many years uh, to come. Um, and then number three um, was around gender equality. And we put our money where our mouth is once again with the Preda Racing Team and Simona and the crew we had there. How about three women going over the wall for the first time to change tires at the Indy 500? Um, it gives me goosebumps still to think about it. I'm, I'm so proud of that initiative. And Rocket Mortgage and Moneyline stepping up to help us on it. Of course, Tim Sendrick and the entire Penske team were the biggest contributors to it, um, both uh, financially as well as people, resource, um, Team Penske. Um, very proud of that. And I hope now that Beth has had that program uh, exemplify the opportunity that she can now get the proper funding, Marshall, to continue it into the future, right? It all regards revolves around you know funding at times right and i wanted to get it started now i hope beth has the kickstart to continue running it heretofore and we're going to have her car on display at the grand prix this weekend we're going to have her car on display at the rocket mortgage pga classic coming up july 4th weekend here in detroit we're going to have her car downtown at rocket mortgage's headquarters they have twenty thousand employees that work in downtown detroit wow I want, I want them excited about this program as we are and we'll see where that goes marshall so i can't tell you the definition of what that means for next year but boy we got some good momentum started this year so in the ongoing role of of media trying to uh hold words of aspiration accountable as you mentioned last year in some of our conversations when this was forming where do you see this from a responsibility standpoint within Penske Entertainment and uh, your and RP and Mark Miles' general world? Done great things to seed and launch to help get Force Indy Peretta Autosport off the ground, but do you foresee there being the financial commitment, personnel 
commitment, et cetera, going forward to ensure these initiatives go forward and succeed, possibly with more additions? Who knows? Could there be others? Could there be a, you know, a Smith Auto Sport of a woman, a new woman who might want to own a team or et cetera, et cetera? Curious where you see the organization's role going forward as the spark, but standing back to see if it builds into a flame and, and continues and sustains? Or do you think you're going to be there the whole time and we're not really ready to stand back and see if it's ready to uh, live on its own? Well, I, I think it, I think you have to look at it um, from two perspectives. You have to look at it on the track and off the track, right? And I would say on an off-the-track basis, um, we're also putting our money where our mouth is with Jimmy McMillan as our chief diversity officer at Indy, a wonderful young man, been, a, been, a, been a one of our attorneys at Penske Entertainment for a number of years. Um, um, the hiring that we're doing now at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the IndyCar Series from a diversity standpoint, um, you'd be very impressed by the folks that we've hired, um, both people of color but also of gender. Um, so with those, those things are really, really important to us, not just what's on the racetrack. How about the suppliers that service us at the Speedway, the suppliers that service us in the series, you know, minority business enterprises, women business enterprises. Those are also things now we're measuring. And this all ties into this equality of change, but it also ties into this essence of, you know, environmental, social and governance, ESG. And um, because these also have a social play into them beyond just simply a competitive play, what you see on the racetrack. The racetrack is where people see it, right? But behind the scenes, we have to have the supporting devices so that it works. Because as you know, a house, you have a solid foundation, okay? But you also have walls that inside those walls, you have electricity and you have plumbing. And those better be well maintained. And our house better be well maintained with an IndyCar series, the IMS, to continue these initiatives on the racetrack. I think you'll still continue to see the support around USF 2000 for sure. Um, uh, those, pro those programs, hopefully um, we can find sponsorship with that uh, Marshall in the, in the coming months and years. To, um, so it isn't just a team Penske or Penske entertainment, um, you know, uh, funded program. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, I'd like to see more uh, progression in the ladder series, both drivers. Okay female, uh, people of color. Our goal, as you know, is at USF 2000 in the next four years is to have an African-American person starting the race again at the Indy 500. That is the goal with support people from marketing, from PR, from mechanics and engineers to support it as well. The driver's one thing, but it's support, support personnel. That's our goal for that program. I hope that others now will raise their hand besides just Penske Entertainment and Team Penske to say, we also want to get on this train because it's the right thing to do. And um, um, that's a hope. Um, I don't have any tangible um, uh, answers to that one yet. And as far as having the, the continuation of the Pareto model or whatever next model it is, you mentioned Smith model it is, those things for us are all on the table for discussion topics. And we haven't stopped our discussions with Beth. Okay. Um, can't give you what that means, but, you know, I had to have you trust me before. And um, so we'll see where those those pan out. But our house needs to be the house to represent these initiatives, which we think we're doing a pretty good job of now. We always do more. But the visible part of it is what happens on the racetrack as well. And those are things that we want to ensure we have developed. Heck, 
I just got the resumes marshaled today in my hand right here in front of me for all the people on on, on Pareto Racing last year, all of them, and to see what the opportunities are for them. We don't know what those are yet, but I've got them in my hands, and so does Roger. We're going to talk about it with Tim Sindrick and others. Amen to that. I love the sound of that. That's the kind of thing I believe everyone's hoping for that this, uh, and I'm not saying that this was ever the intent, but that this is a one and done, you know, hopefully the outcome is cool. What new things, what new areas can we explore and develop with folks who are part of the things here? What do we move yeah, on I to? Think, think, let me just say one more thing, Mark. I'm sorry. I, w- I would just say too, is heck if team Penske hasn't got a vacancy, you know, we got some very strong team members on Fredo racing that would love to stay involved in this thing. Who else has an opportunity for a tire changer or, or a DAG or a, or a mechanic or person working on the tires. Okay. We've, we've got some great examples of females that want to do this and why not raise your hand out there to the other teams and say, what about me talking to these people? So this, this is just not a team Penske Penske entertainment. This needs to be a broader scope than that Marshall. Yeah. Amen to that. Got a question from Adam Walker about some guy named Bud Denker. He says, Bud, curious if you can tell us, did you do anything specific or deliberate related to motorsports to advance within uh, Penske Corp? Uh, he's also curious, is there support for racing within the corporation? Or is that a piece of uh, Mr. Penske, uh, an area where he directs things from uh, from his view atop the company? Interesting. Obviously, Penske Corporation does a lot of, most of what Penske Corp does is not, racing related but racing is certainly a huge part of the company and culture it's an interesting question where do you fit in there and uh, trying to become part of the racing world did rp say hey love what you're doing let's get you involved on the racing side and is he the one infusing it within whether it's the auto dealerships or so many other things interesting culture question yeah, and that's a great question, and we do have an interesting culture here at Penske, I would say, Marshall. We, you know, as you mentioned, we've got a, a large enterprise behind the, the scenes here. Uh, most people don't really understand the fact that we have 60,000 employees around the globe, 60,000, um, operating in many different continents and many, many countries around the globe. Um, so it's a complex business. It's a large business, some $30 billion plus of revenue. Um, those are things that we're proud of. We don't go out and beat our chests about them and talk about it a lot, but um, that that helps fuel what we do here every day. Um, I personally um, was tapped on the shoulder by Roger some 16 years ago where I met him through a racing sponsorship of all things. I, I've always been a gearhead. I've always worked on my car. I was a mechanic at a company called Montgomery Ward back in the day. Yes put myself through college and high school by, by working on cars. And, um, I funded that to help myself go to a small school and always been a gearhead. I was always a closet race fan. I used to go to Saugus racetrack up in California when I lived out there on Saturday nights and by myself and get a hot dog and watch, watch racing. I would do this in Michigan when I lived in Michigan, which is where I'm from. So I always had the, the, uh, interest. And then, um, as I pursued my professional career, um, and I got more involved in management and marketing, um, marketing at, at, at PepsiCo, um, had this thing with Mountain Dew at a time when Daryl Waltrip was involved in the years and we had it involved in NHRA. So I got myself ingrained in that, um, while still working for a big company. And then 
um, Roger tapped me on the shoulder because I met him when I used to be um, uh, running the um, some of the marketing for Eastman Kodak when there was film at a time. And um, we had we had Morgan McFleur racing and we moved to Roger Penske. And at that time, he and I developed a relationship and he said I need somebody here to help my online marketing and our businesses and our marketing at racing. And from there, I moved from the marketing side of things to uh, also being in charge of human resources, our 60,000 employees. And now I'm the president of the company um, and now obviously involved in, <laughs> in Belle Isle and the Speedway and what I have. So I'm blessed along the way that I've had the interest. I'm blessed along the way that I've had a mentor and a friend like Roger Penske who tapped me on the shoulder to be involved in these things. But if I ever, I would never have met him if I ever had this, if I didn't have this interest in motorsports along the way. So we call it the common thread. Racing for us as a company is the common thread. It's a common thing that runs from our automobile dealerships, some 330 of those around the world, to our trucking business, some 330,000 trucks, probably the largest truck fleet in the world. Wow. To our logistics, running our warehouses that we run for Starbucks and many other customers, to running big diesel engine trucks in, in Australia and New Zealand. The one thing that's common in all those businesses, because they're very different, is racing. What do our folks talk about at the water cooler on, on Monday morning? What are they talking about as they go into the weekend? Where are we racing? Where are we competing? All of our employees know that because you send the information out every Thursday or Friday and they're all cheering for it. So what, what's in common? It's competitive. It's results oriented. It's organizational. It's team player. All those things we put in our business, you put into racing. So the common thread runs through all of it. And um, Roger's at the helm of it all, of course, pushing a lot of buttons. A couple more questions before we say farewell. Very important one here from a pal from Indiana, Jeremiah Morrell. He says, Bud, what is the official policy on swimming in the Detroit Fountain after a win? And would you swim with a winning driver this weekend if requested? <laughs> uh, I prefer to have no comment on this one. Um, <laughs> we can't get an official sanction. I think, are there police there waiting to write tickets if drivers uh, dive in again? I know they were asked not to after the last time. Uh, they're not pleased to write tickets, um, but, um, we don't encourage it. Let me just put it that way, Marshall. And will I be getting the phone? Uh, the answer would be, uh, no. I mean, I, I went to Amazon. I bought you a snorkel, some little floaties for your arms. I mean, come on, bud, you, you, you're destroying the plan here. Uh, uh there's a, there's a site now you, you can't move this hair, Marshall, with a hurricane or even, uh, even water. So see, it's probably not going to happen. This is a man ready for meteor showers. Got a, a question from another pal from Michigan, Matt Philpot, who's going to be there this weekend. Curious about Detroit and this brand new street race in Nashville. So it's curious, are there any successes, lessons, mistakes, whatever it might be that you've, uh, you've learned and cataloged over the year at Belle Isle that you might be able to help uh, apply or pass down or, or coach or whatever you might call it? Uh, with the folks putting on the new Nashville race. Curious if there's any carryover coaching and whatnot to make sure this Nashville race goes off strongly as possible, maybe using some that you've learned at Belle Isle over the years. Great question. Um, tying the two together, um, the answer is for sure. In the very early stages of, of the Nashville idea, I sent them down my entire budget. 
expense line by expense line, my entire capital budget. What do barrier walls cost? What's the fence cost? What's the bleachers cost? What do they cost to rent? What are the tents? What do the media center need to look like? What kind of cabling do you got to have? You know, you know, the 25 miles or so of cabling to make this thing happen, right? I sent them all that information ahead of time. So I wanted them to understand what they're getting themselves into. Because putting a race on sounds pretty sexy and pretty cool, but it's behind the scenes that takes a lot of work and a lot of capital to put this thing together. It's like wedding so, planning with race cars. I mean, there's absolutely. not a lot of sexiness there. No, it's, it's not. And uh, building a foundation again for your house, not really sexy when you put concrete down. But all those things are things that we talked about, I talked about personally with the folks uh, in Nashville. And from there, they were able to get a, enough capital together, some good funders to help this thing develop, because it's not cheap to put on a, an event like Belle Isle or Nashville. You've got to put everything up has to come all back down. It takes time. It takes a lot of money. But the buzz around Nashville is just so cool. I've got friends and family, family especially, that say, I'm coming to Nashville um, because it's going to be such a cool event with the, with the music, the entertainment, the sponsor with, uh, you know, Big Machine, obviously, who's got a great acts on their own. Um, they've got a number of concerts going on down there that I've already heard about that I can't wait to be part of. So, yes, the, the learnings we have here, I transferred them directly to Nashville, and now they had a true understanding of what it's going to take. And from there, they've taken it themselves and put together what's going to be an incredible weekend of racing in early August, the Sunday after the Olympic Games close in Japan. So, great event coming forth there. Matt also closes by saying he drove his wife around Belle Isle in March of 2020 just days before COVID changed everyone's collective day-to-day way of living. So he says getting back to Belle Isle this weekend with things being normal as possible, says it's very symbolic for him. I'm sure there's a a lot of Michiganders. Do I have that correct? Um, A lot of folks from Michigan in the general Midwest will be there probably feeling the same thing as Matt of, wow, uh, no mental restrictions. Let's just enjoy everything as it's meant to be one or two more items here. This one's a little bit out of left field, but I like it because it's, it's just a celebratory thought. This comes from Bill Potter who says, bud, would IndyCar or IMS consider hosting an annual champions dinner, similar to what the masters does. So it seems like an easy way to showcase the five hundreds uh, and the series rich history, not saying IndyCar doesn't have any kind of celebratory thing. We know after the Indy 500, there's, often something done, but I do like that idea of, Hey, let's all get together and celebrate each other and maybe, uh, not only honor what we just did, but also, uh, dip into history a little bit and share that with the world. Yeah. Interesting comment. Interesting thought. Yeah. The uh, previous, uh, champion can order the menu, right? Like they do at the masters, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Interesting thought, interesting idea. Something we had, I don't think we've thought about, but that, I'll, I'll put that in my, my inventory of, uh, information here upstairs. Okay. Uh, our pal JJ Gertler is under the impression that RP is just always on the rev limiter. So he says, it's amazing how much Roger gets done in any given day. But do you notice when he's overdoing it, maybe? And if so, how do you or, or others on the senior executive team get him to lighten up a little bit? Is it a whoopee cushion, frisbee golf, making jokes about Chip Ganassi? I mean, that's always fun. That, that should be a daily thing. Uh, he says, what lightens the mood at Penske Corp headquarters? I love that. <laughs> great, great question. 
I'm trying to think of the answer. Um, you're right. He, he is the ultimate energizer bunny. Um, uh, just amazing the energy, amazing the stamina, amazing the fortitude, amazing his mental capacity of what he has to retain and understand. He just, he just you know, on a daily basis, he just does laps around me. And I'm a few years younger. And I'm in pretty good shape. But, um, no, hey, we, we have our fun together. Um, we have our fun together typically when we're at the racetracks. Our golf game is usually not spent walking a, a beautiful fairway. Our golf game is somewhere at a racetrack on a weekend like it is at Bell Isle this weekend, like it'll be next weekend at Road America. Um, yeah, maybe that's not for everybody, uh, but it's for us, Marshall. And we wouldn't have it any other way. And our families, frankly, wouldn't have it any other way also because my wife would probably not want me around every single weekend. And um, so, uh, but uh, hey, we're lucky we have what we have. We're lucky we have our health, Roger's health, our family's health. We're blessed where we live. We're blessed at what we do. And we're um, happy to have friends like Marshall Pruitt. Oh, don't start that silliness. Um, uh, Two questions to go. This next one from Daniel Kincaid. Not so much about specifics, just maybe the mindset looking forward. He asks, what's a plan for the growth uh, possibly? And who knows, maybe expansion for, say, Indy Lights in the next few years. Maybe even IndyCar five years out. Is that a part of the the thinking at all, Bud? Of hey, we're at you know, if we're talking IndyCar, seventeen races right now. Do we need to add more of those? Do we need to shift what we're doing and go to different places, different countries, different who knows? Similar with Indy Lights, do we need to make that bigger, more, etc.? Curious what the mindset is on now that you're what a year and a half ish into owning these properties. Do you have big growth plans as you look forward, or is that more measured? I would say it's um, tactically and strategically measured, Marshall. I think the fact that we have, I think this, the 16 to 18 races is a sweet spot for us. Um, we do not have plans now to go internationally other than what we do now, of course, in, uh, in Toronto every year. Um, but we've got enough to do, we think, here to continue to build the series, to build what we have in North America before we go launching overseas remember many of our sponsors on these race teams are very north american based and to go overseas doesn't provide a lot of benefit for them and frankly for us at the time right now yeah you might get a big paycheck to do it but if it's the reason just to get a big paycheck to go somewhere we're not interested um so i think you'll see it in north america series for the time to come i think that um we've got a great we're gonna have 25 cars on the racetrack and Belle Isle this week, probably our, I'd like to say our biggest number of cars we've had yet because I've had to shorten the pit stalls for the mm. first time in Belle Isle from 40 feet to 35 feet. First time I've had to do that. Indy Lights now has a decent car count, anywhere from 11 to 13 cars from what it used to be last year of six to eight. Um, we worked with Anderson and the, and the team to get there. Um, that is a very important series for us. When you think about the Pato Awards, Brian Hurtles, the Palouse, where'd they come from? Right, they came up that series. We you said Brian Herta, but you're right because he was a, a lights champ before he went to IndyCar. But his kid too, Colton, not so bad. Uh, yeah. He has a Colton, future. Yeah. yeah, Colton as well, not bad. Sorry, um, but those are the. That's why it's important. So that's an important series for us. We wanted to continue to see it to grow, to develop. Um, but I think that the number that we're going to see in IndyCar is between that 16 and 18 race area markets. We've got to have the right markets as well. Nashville is a strategic market for us. Growing city, growing market. 
um, great metropolitan area. You got a sponsor there in Bridgestone Firestone, just based there, right? Big Machine Records based there and others too. So there's reasons why we're in markets that are just not from the standpoint of being where you are because you're there. Um, so that's important for us too. I think we have good date equity. I got the calendar in front of me right now I'm looking at, a tentative one for the dates next year and the tracks next year that I'm not going to tell you yet, Marshall, because that's the next question. Um, so, <laughs> I, so I think we've got a good schedule for next year. Um, maybe one or two changes along the way. Um, but I like where we're at, like the number of races where we're at. Got to continue to market and grow it. Well, I'm going to go ahead and spoil the party and say the, uh, the Hawaiian Grand Prix is finally happening uh, 20 or 30 years after it was announced. But I love you. That's amazing. So thankful you're getting that done. Was it a $10 million purse they offered? Or Anyways, uh, let's close with a little bit of a home spun fun from our pal John Wojnar. Yet again, another son of Michigan. He says, Bud, I met you in 2018 when you spoke at our alma mater, Lake Superior State University. Says, you got me hooked up with working with the Detroit Grand Prix Volunteer Association. Now, I've had a blast doing that ever since. John's also working this weekend as a volunteer. Says, going off of that, what three Team Penske drivers would you choose to compete in the famous I-500 snowmobile race that takes place a block from uh, LSSU's campus in uh, Salt Saint Marie, Michigan? He says, and when can we expect to see Roger in a snowsuit taking on the proclaimed Indy 500 of snowmobile racing? You want to talk about people that know and love you? Wojnar's got you covered. So uh, let's talk about this. Uh, team Penske's uh, snowmobile team here. Which three drivers from uh, uh, from the team's long history you bring in with you to go and try and win this at your alma mater? Wow, that is a that's some thorough knowledge there. And by the way, Marshall, it's Sault Saint Marie, not Salt Saint Marie. You got to first know that it's spelled S A U L T, but it's Sioux. Ooh. Okay, first of all, I'll correct you there. It's Please very, do. Very, yes, I was born in that city. By the way, I was born in Sault Saint Marie. Went to college in the small. 2000 person school at Lake Superior State University. I went to the first 15 I 500, 500 mile snowmobile races because I was a big snowmobiler <laughs> back in the day. And I tried to race snowmobiles back in the day, believe it or not. So I I know all about it. So, what drivers? I think Rick Mears would be a natural choice because of his off road capabilities, right? What he did out, uh, out west. And and uh, these things are going high in the air, going, you know, 100, must, 100 miles an hour plus on a one mile oval, high banked oval. Um, he'd be pretty darn good at that, right? I think he would be there all the time. Um, you know, Joey Logano's from the north, right? He's from Connecticut. He's seen snow before. Um, so he might be a, a, a pretty good choice for us. And maybe a guy like Brad Keselowski, a guy from Michigan, yes. even knows who St. Marie is. He maybe can even spell it. Um, might be another choice for us. So maybe those three would be good choices for me. I do like the suggestion that. Keselowski knows how to spell, so that you know we're breaking news here. I also wonder if maybe the the overarching saint of this adventure, the great Uncle Bobby, Bobby Unser, King of Pikes Peak, a man who has logged millions of hours on snowmobiles, been lost, been saved, uh, getting True. lost in the wilderness. He's no longer with us, but if I'm just thinking of That's the person looking down and infusing the team with success, it's got to be Uncle Bobby. Bud, as you know, always appreciate you and the time you spend with me, helping me do my job, uh, and also here uh, spending some time with our listeners for the first time. So 
appreciate you. Hope that this weekend is nothing but awesome. Look forward to speaking soon. All right. Thanks, Marshall. Thanks for all the great questions, too. (laughs) I love some of the questions. They're pretty close to my heart.